I want Zoom to recognize hand gestures. This one specifically. Hey. You, 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 you know ID, ID in the D in the ID, ID in the D in the S-E-A. You, you know ID, ID in the D in the S-E-A. ID, ID in the D in the Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Fabulous Pelton Cast. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton. And I'm Tristan Carcino. And to steal a line from Bill Simmons, we have one rule. Anytime the Mariners sweep the Astros, the hated Astros, in Houston to move even with them in the loss column behind four hits from the Italian guy, Hey, we're going to record an emergency podcast. There it is. I've got a Peroni right here. Oh, wow. You, you were know, prepared. You know who this emergency podcast is for. Sorry, Julio. This is for those four hits from Dominic Canzone and the home run yesterday from Sam Haggerty. Let's freaking go. I mean, Julio only had one hit today. What have you done for me lately, Julio? Not nearly as much as Tom Dom Canzone. Yeah, he might have to learn a few things from Dom Canzone. Also, I didn't know this. We learned in the postgame interview. Fellow Big Ten guy. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe, though. Us Big Ten guys got to stay together. Nick Swisher was so focused on talking to another Ohio State Mm -hmm. product that Nick Swisher, who is Italian on his mother's side, much like us, really did not bring up Dom Kinsone's wow. hand gestures. Very disappointed. That's incredible. Wow, I all of a sudden like Nick Swisher a lot more. He was so excited about Dominic Canzone being from Ohio State. I was like, it's hilarious because it's Ohio State, and you're just like, us Ohio State guys got to stick together. And you're like, I guess this is baseball. <laughs> This is Big Ten baseball, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I don't think baseball is what I'm saying. It's like he goes to a school that puts nobody into professional sports, Ohio <laughs> State University. Us, us underdogs got to stick together. Now that we're in the Big Ten, do we have to refer to them as the Ohio State the Ohio University? State. I, do no, we, I think do we, we specifically don't. Yeah, we do Ohio not State do that University. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we liked it that much when we played them in the Rose Bowl either. I don't know how this became an Ohio State University anyway, pod. But... Anyway, it's not, it's not an Ohio State University pod. It's a Big Ten pod for guys a... like us, Big Ten guys like us. We, <laughs> we pound the rock in the Big Ten, and that is what Dominic Canzone did today in this game. I believe it's a Don't Look Now podcast. Absolutely, it is a Don't Look Now podcast. I wanted to look at this now. What? Do Can look we do now. them? The Mariners have an eight-game win streak, followed by a three-game losing streak, followed by a six-game win streak. This six-game win streak, including three hard-fought games against uh, harder-fought than the Astros, against the apparently hated Kansas City Royals, the terrifying Kansas City Royals, then the sweep against the Astros. I don't mean to be like Bill Swirsky's super fans here, but we are talking about what could have been what should have been a 17 feet for the Mariners. Two one-run game, two extra inning games against Baltimore. The Mariners could have won either. And Correct. a game that they were leading heading into the bottom of the ninth against Kansas City. This team has been unstoppable for the last month. I mean, we we've traced it in the past to the famous cousin Katie's husband, Ben driving to a Mariners game from when we were in Eastern Washington and then driving back that night, that kind of dedication to the Mariners. But I think now 
you can only trace the success to having an Italian on the roster again with Dom Kanzo. That's it. That that's the time period that you it have to can't look be at. attributed to anything else. I mean, the All Star break would be <laughs> would be a nice place to to start this, but uh, I think you have to look at having they called up Hagerty. Canzone's on the roster. In fact, here's what we should do: we should do Mariners win percentage with Canzone <laughs> on the roster versus Ichiro in 2001. I bet Canzone is doing better. Put it on the board. Let's make a graphic. I mean, I do love a good graphic. So, and you it's love really, a graphic. Don't look now, but Dominic Canzone is better than Ichiro. I know it is almost exactly one year since we started doing the Hagerty graphic because I came up with it when I was sitting at home uh, having COVID, which was at the end of August last year. So it's almost precisely a year ago. The thing I was going to say that we have not brought up on the podcast, I don't. we haven't even talked about it offline. It's really, it's not even just the fact that Canzone is Italian. Not just the fact that he is like leaning hard into his Italianness. Yes. It's also the fact that he's wearing jersey number eight, which because of Rich Averall has always been my favorite jersey number, like my preferred number. Like if you were to engineer in a lab, a Mariners player for me to like, it would wow. be Tom Kanzan. Okay. The AI did it. The Engineered the... to be your favorite player. Yes. There's one player who I wanted to mention who I've thought about a couple of times during this run. Who was my favorite player? Timing of his injury, kick kicks a jug, a jug of water, breaks his foot. Timing of Jared Kellenick's injury and Mariners' win streak. I think he got Wally Pipped right here. I think he got Jake Boboed. You know what I mean? This I was mean, Jake Bobo taking DK Metcalf's slot as number one receiver. <laughs> this was Wally Pip, and then you've got Kate Marlowe, Dominic Canzone. I, I mean, the win percentage, the win percentage with and without Kellenic is probably pretty stark in, in these two situations. And you do have to think maybe taking some of those strikeouts out of the order as somebody who's the number one Kellenic apologist of all time, but maybe taking some of those strikeouts out of the middle of the order might have made things. You just, you'd see this roster. They are not striking out anywhere near as much as they were early in the season. It, it is a very big difference. I don't know that taking Jared Kelnick in the, out of the lineup made Teoscar Hernandez go on a hot streak. I, I don't think, I think sometimes correlation is not causation, but yes, I mean, and, and, back and Julio to, start Julio start hitting at an unreal level, yeah, right? We, we obviously got have buried the lead here. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. But so Kelnick went, the injury came out precisely one month ago was when we got the news, July 20th. And that's when it seemed like the season was over. Basically, it was season over hot takes at that point. One, to go in that one month from where the Mariners were to where they are now is just pretty unbelievable. I mean, they were two and four post All Star break at that at that point. They lost two to Detroit, lost two to Minnesota. I mean, things were looking bleak. The series against Toronto, the Taylor Swift series against Toronto, that happened, that kind of started turning things around. But then slowly, one by one, just racking these wins together to be at the place that they are now. And like you mentioned, tied with the Astros in the loss column. Don't look now, Houston, because Seattle is coming. I there, There's some other teams in Texas that maybe should not look now. Exactly. Probably our two most hated rivals in the entire American League. The Mariners have passed now. They've lapped the Toronto Blue Jays. They're tied in the loss column with the Houston Astros after a three-game sweep. In Houston, a dominant three-game sweep in Houston, I might add. But we are here to mess with Texas, 
And this isn't about the wild card. This is like 1995, the season of record. This is about the division. They are coming for more. This is not a playing wild card game. This is, this is, we are going to be in it, hosting baseball games in Seattle, Washington, more than just one this year. Come on, Mariners. Let's freaking go. I'm not ready to look now at that. Let's, let's just leave that in the, you know, it's, it's somewhere on the dashboard, but it's not right front and center with the Dom Canzone record. Uh, it, it's there in the back back of my mind. But yeah, I mean, you think even as recently as like I, we recorded during, let's see, the next series in Minnesota, we would have recorded. And it was at that point where we were talking about, you know, the Mariners constantly being within one game of 500. I mean, they started, they lost the opening game of that series at Minnesota. They were 50 and 50. Since then, they are 19 and five. I mean, that's incredible numbers. And I think the other thing that you have to remember that I was I was thinking about, we talked about this throughout the season. There were many hot takes about it. And I have to come back and say that every single one of my positive hot takes has now been right. I've been proven correct. You're welcome. Ignore all the other ones. But it all comes back to opening day when I said that the Mariners had a perfect roster. <laughs> no holes. And the roster is precisely the same as it was opening day. Uh, <laughs> I was definitely predicting the Cade Marlowe success. But the thing that you have to remember about a baseball season is it is incredibly long. So long. You could be 50 and 50, and all of a sudden you could flash forward not that long, three weeks, one month, and the entire world can look totally different without a huge trade at the deadline, without anything big happening. The team could just put it together. They were 50 and 50 with Julio underachieving for the season, with Teoscar underachieving for the season, with a pitching staff that had been injured multiple different times throughout the year. They were 50 and 50 in a place where... Well, one of, those, one of those things hasn't changed. One of those things staff, hasn't changed. I mean, they, they were still... We'll talk about that in a second. But you get this Julio run that he's been on. And I think you can kind of pinpoint those 30 days, right? When you look at Julio in his last 30 days, wait, I had these stats up. When you look at Julio in his last 30 days, he is sitting at 379 batting average, 421 on base percentage, over 1,000 OPS. And then it keeps getting better the shorter the increments. Over five, almost 600 in the last week. What Julio is doing right now, over Boy, 476 we, for the last did, 15 days. We got to say this specifically, a major league record, 17 hits over four games culminating in Saturday. Breaking that record, amazingly not by Ichiro, but by Milt Stock of the 1925 Brooklyn Robins. Take that, Milt Stock. You never saw Julio coming. <laughs> really didn't. Really Don't did look not. now, Milt Stock. But the other thing is Julio's not, these aren't slap singles, right? You mentioned that other player. These are not seeing eye singles through the hole. Julio's hitting for power, extra base hits, doubles, homers. Timely what hits. Doing? Like Julio has been doing every single thing that we expected Julio to be doing in his sophomore season. It took a second to get I, there. I don't know if I, I mean, like overall, yes, but like this stretch this soon, we've always said it. Julio is the timeline. And all of a sudden the timeline is now. Oh yeah. I mean, this stretch is up there with the best stretches in Mariners history, right? When you look at it like two weeks, one month, he is having up there with steroid era Mariners. Like, he, he is in the conversation during this time period with Edgar, A-Rod, Griffey, some of the moments that they had. And if he keeps doing this, 
This team is very, very hard to beat. We knew the pitching was good. You mentioned the stats about the bullpen. The bullpen's been worked a lot lately. It's transformed, but the bullpen has still been very good. The starting pitching has been very good. You have you have three to five very steady starting pitchers right now who you can rely on. So if the Mariners are hitting, that's how you end up with an eight-game win streak followed by a six-game win streak. Yeah, I mean... You know, you talked about the baseball season is long. Think about the difference in vibes from earlier this week, as you mentioned, against Kansas City, where the Mariners kept struggling to beat the Royals and the bullpen was incredibly shaky. And you look at this game where, unfortunately, Emerson Hancock has to leave in the second inning with a shoulder strain. We'll see the degree of severity. Thankfully, Brian Wu is is due back to, to start against the White Sox. But you're staring at seven innings of relief and after a really tough out in for Taylor Sacedo, who was put in a tough spot trying to come in due to this injury much earlier than expected. You know, it's you're clean to a one run lead a lot of this time. And, you know, after that Sacedo inning from the third inning on the Astro, from the, yeah, from the fourth inning on the Astros score only one run exclusively against the Mariners bullpen and so many terrifying situations. Yes. I, I also want to mention in there, the bullpen came through, played great, multiple different pitchers, right? Thornton, Brad, it was literally the entire Brash. bullpen. I they didn't have anyone left. Did they, did they, they went through everybody. So if this game goes to extras, it's just, Keeps fires, gotta go. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Some of the, one of the starters pitches, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they they used seven relievers. Uh but but the other player that uh, Isaiah Campbell, the other player that has to have uh, be mentioned in this bullpen pitch great. Eugenio Suarez in his defense. Yeah. So many balls being hit down the third base line, and Gino just being. So solid, making diving stops, sliding stops, taking up so much space, range, even the plays where he didn't necessarily get the outs that he made, still holding those balls, getting those balls and keeping them to singles rather than doubles and triples. Like Gino is at another level defensively right now, what he is doing at the hot corner. And it is making every single other player, all of these pitchers look even better because of that. Because there's plays that there was one, I think this was in the eighth, in the seventh or the eighth, it was the first out and it hit down the line. Yep. It was like, this could have easily been a double. Gino cleans it up, makes it a routine play. And then there are hits after that. And it's like, it doesn't do as much damage because of what Gino did to lead off that inning. It is huge how he's playing over there defensively. No, that was the, wasn't that the bottom of the eighth with, the, with Jeremy Pena? Okay. And so Munoz goes one, two, three in that inning, but it means like, Pena is actually secretly the most terrifying hitter because you do not want to have to face Altuve and the top of the Astros order with somebody on. So having him in the ninth spot is, is like a frightening, a frightening place every single time, especially because Pena played so well against the Mariners, obviously in last year's division series, better than I find almost every Astro to be terrifying, but yes, fair. And they did play almost this entire series without Kyle Tucker, who's been, probably their most valuable player this season uh, due to illness. He came in as a pinch hitter in a key situation uh, in the bottom of the seventh. And uh, who it was Justin Topa at that point managed to get him out to get out of that jam. So yeah, the Mariners bullpen, you'll love to see it. No one, no one was thinking about Paul Seawald after the, in the wake of this game. But so that, that performance by Gino, the hitting from Julio, which again, if he keeps this up, I mean, there's a point where he's hitting well enough that he's starting to get into, he had a fight to be in the all-star game, right? But you're yeah. like, is Julio, 
can he play well enough to get into the MVP conversation? Like, what can Julio do? What What is the limit to what Julio can do right now over these next six weeks of baseball? And I think kind of sky's the limit for Julio. And then we also just thinking about him long-term, having that established. Again, this is somebody who I, I think we might have reset expectations just slightly, just slightly earlier in the season. And now those expecta- those reset expectations are out the window. Right. This is a player who can be the best hitter and one of the best defenders and one of the best base runners in baseball, a true five tool player, what Julio can do can do. And I I don't think there's a ceiling on it, seeing how he's been playing recently. Yeah, I think that's always been the case. I think that's always been fair. Like the reset expectations more more about when I think than if and like, you know, if it doesn't happen, like development is not linear. If it doesn't happen right away, let's all remain calm and you know, thankfully, some of us did remain calm. He is, uh, according to baseball reference, eighth in war at this point in the American League. Oh, no, that's overall. So he is fourth in the AL. And one of the players ahead of him is Bobby Witt Jr., who I'm pretty confident is not going to get a lot of MVP votes based on the Royals' wow. records. I mean, should. <laughs> he certainly should. Uh, do they have war by month? Uh, you can do splits like that, yes. Okay, yeah. How much war has, has uh, of that full season, how much of that has been Julio accruing that over the slide? This doesn't even include today's game. It does not. I do not do not believe. All right. We're going to do the month of August? Uh, or if you could do it a 30-day period. We can do that. Uh, but month of August, he is tied for second with Mookie Betts. Trailing only, Bobby Witt Jr. Wow. Uh, no, Bobby Wood Jr. is kind of a demon in that series. Oh, it's completely fair. We, we saw it with our own two eyes. We we know how it worked. Yeah, so he has been as valuable as anyone. I mean, there was a time period where I looked earlier in the season at Julio's War, and I was like, yeah, there's almost no way that he's going to reach the six to, 6.2 wins that he got to last year. And now it seems totally reasonable that he could eclipse that number. Uh, if you go July 20th, he is tied with Bobby Wood. So I didn't realize Bobby Witt was hitting that ball. Yeah, he's he's a he's a monster, man. He just need, needs. I mean, I saw it when we, when we played the Royals and I was like, damn. But <laughs> it's definitely one of those things where you're like that. He's playing for the Royals. He can't be doing that good right now. The Royals. <laughs> Turns out that one player is not that important in baseball. If Mike Trout's career somehow had not taught you that, then maybe Bobby Witt Jr.'s start. will. I, I wanted to take this big picture, though, just in terms of like it, if judging only by the number of responses to us asking whether we should post an emergency pod today, Mariner's hype level is reaching unprecedented levels. I It really is. And I think I told you this earlier. You, you wanted to question me on it. I think I am the most excited about the Mariners in this moment that I have been since 1997. I think that's how far you have to stretch back. Again, I famously didn't care in 2001. So other people probably were more excited about it then. For me personally, I think this is the most that I have cared about the Mariners since I was 12 years old. Do you think it's because of the fact that like now you have a slightly longer track record of caring about the Mariners than this time a year ago? I think it was seeing the darkness, right? We talked. About oh, I was going to say that, yes. They, they had a little bit of it last year. I mean, they had a lot of it last year. Honestly, the seasons kind of mirrored each other in a lot of ways. 
Uh, the turnaround happened a little bit earlier last season than it did this season. But, but yeah, the seasons did not mirror each other in terms of expectations. That's the difference this year. Like when the Mariners were scuffling in the early part of 2022, it was like, okay, fine. Like, you know, they just called up Julio and George Kirby. Like, you know, this is still a building season. This year, the expectations were perfect roster, World Series. There was something so classically Mariners about having expectations on them and absolutely shitting the bed, right? Having this offseason that was an indictment on Jerry DePoto, the ownership, uh, the entire front office staff, every decision that the Mariners had made, every, every in any capacity, a decision that they made, right? Every moment was an indictment on the Mariners for the entire first half of the season. We talked about it constantly. And having that happen and being in that moment of just being like, the Mariners literally will never reach their expectations. This cannot happen as an organization. And to be there and have this slog of a season, right? To basically be done. And then for this turnaround to happen mid-July on, when we'd gotten to that place, they didn't do anything at the All-Star break. Or at the, uh, uh, I mean, they really didn't do anything at All-Star break either. But like, they didn't do anything. Oh, that's like, disrespectful to Julio's first round. It wasn't a celebratory All-Star game. It wasn't it 2001. It wasn't, they didn't have a trade deadline where they went out and made a big move. Nothing happened, right? Like, obviously, we're excited about the deal for Canzone and Rojas, but it wasn't like... It was this, just, I mean, the, we were talking about, like, you know, how how disheartening it was know, to the players in the clubhouse that yeah. you were trading away your closer. They were and, talking about going out and proving the front office wrong. That was which they did. Rally. Yeah, they sure did. They absolutely did. But, I mean, also, I think also they probably like Dom Canzone. Yeah. Uh, and, and Rojas as well. But, like, that there was nothing about it that you said to you, we're just about to put it together. Yeah. There were a few inklings, and I'm sure that me, like many other people, you always have it in the back of your mind. You're like, just this 10-game win streak. It's just coming. It can happen. Like, they can do this. And then it actually fucking happened. So having – and the way that they're playing, I, I don't mean to be too positive about the Mariners here, but I don't think this is – I don't think their ceiling is a division round exit from the playoffs. We saw what they did against the Astros today. Maybe it wasn't the Astros of last year, but I don't think that there's a team in the American League that they can't beat. We saw what they did against the Orioles. Even though they lost two of those three games, that series against the Orioles was two of the best teams in the American League playing each other and battling, right? So having that happen, sweeping the Astros, they're playing at the highest levels of the American League, literally, and they can beat any of these teams. I would put the Mariners up against any team in the American League in a five-game series, in a seven-game series, and they're going to the World Series, and that's why I'm excited. Well, there's one team we haven't seen them play against while they were seriously in competition. They did take two of three against them back in late June and early July, that being Tampa Bay, who is is actually far and away the AL's best team. But I look, that, that concern is a long ways down the road. I, I think you know, you made that point about the Mariners as a team. I was thinking about this with Julio specifically. Like, there's always that thing you do with as a fan. You're like, you know, you're down 4-2 to the Royals. That was the top the top of the eighth, I think, at this point. And, you know, you get a runner on. You get a second runner on. You're like, Julio's coming up. You know, he just hits a three-run homer. Like, bam, the Mariners are in the lead. And, like, obviously that very rarely happens. You don't hit homers that often. But bam, damn it, Julio didn't hit that home run. And damn, he didn't hit it in the span between when I exited my car and when I turned on the TV to, in my house. And 
I was so angry that I had missed that moment after the pitching change. That was such an awesome moment. First pitch also. First yeah. pitch to him. And Julio rips a three on homer. And you just knew the game was over too. It was, it was one of those ones. I'd oh, I, remember, I don't know if we did know the game was over. But just having that kind of swing. In fact, this, these are the games that they kept losing. Where the, you know the game is over game. <laughs> yeah. And then they're just fucking 1-1 one, one, finally. But fighting it out against the Astros, having your starting pitcher get hurt after the second inning, which I think ultimately probably was like, I think they're being extremely cautious with Emerson Hancock, so. and they should be. Yeah. Um, but especially, they don't need to have a six-man rotation. They have a fine five-man rotation right now with Brian Wu coming back. So I, I, I think that was a good decision. But you see all of those runs, and you're just like, ah, this ain't going to be it. There's just The Astros are going to chip away at it, chip away at it, chip away at it. And then eventually they're going to win by like five runs. You know, we've seen this before, but to hang on and win that game, this is a different built Mariners team than the previous ones. And I, I, I just, there's nobody that scares me in the American League right now. And if the Mariners get in, whatever the place is, and I think they can get to, I, th- I wouldn't be shocked if they push for the L West. I wouldn't be shocked if they were pushing for, I mean, the Rays are the number one wild card is who knows, but. I think they're closer to first in the LS than they are the number one wild card slot. Uh, yes. So I wouldn't be shocked if they were pushing for that. And that gets you guaranteed. I think you're hosting in the division series, right? If yes. you're the number well, two because, division winner. Yes. Because of how bad the central is. Correct. So, I mean, they, they would be hosting a series in the playoffs if they can somehow get there. It's hard. It's not easy. But with the way that they've been playing, I just, the sky is the limit for this team. This team could be playing in deep into the playoffs could be playing in a World Series, and that's why I'm so excited about it. I'm not sure if I exactly felt that last year. I kept being like watching the magic number, being like the Mariners are winning and they're losing, and they're winning and they're losing, and you know that other teams play hard teams, and the Mariners play easy teams, so they're eventually going to get in. We're sort of like doing the math last year, and that's not what I'm doing right now. Yeah, I mean, I think to a degree, like especially if you get to the Division Series period, you got a chance because it turns out that baseball is very random over small samples and weaker teams often beat better teams in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if I would say go precisely to that's why the 116 win Mariners ended up losing to the Yankees who uh, were in the midst of a, a pretty we good know run, who to blame for form that. there. Oh God. <laughs> we've look, we've seen the playoff stats. They're not wrong. They're there. But yes, the, the Mariners do feel like they have uh, a really high ceiling right now and they they just got to find a way to get in. After this game, Fangraphs has their playoff odds at... I, by, by the playoff stats, I meant the playoff stats in the ALCS. The DS, they were very good. I see. Uh, Mariners playoff odds now, OPS. now at 58%. Wow, okay. Fangraphs. So still a lot of work to do, but understandably a lot of excitement. I wanted to close out a trivia question for you. Okay. So I was looking at some mar- manners, managers... Mariners managerial stats, easy for me to say, during today's game. Scott Service is obviously far and away number two in Mariners history in all-time managerial wins behind Blue Pinella. Mm-hmm. Those are two of the three managers in Mariners history with an above 500 record. Can you name the third with an above 500 record in Mariners history? <laughs> it's really testing how many Mariners managers I can name. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, Whether Mike... you know this person managed the Mariners or not, it remains TV day. Not Mike Hargrove. It is not Mike Hargrove. Uh, so it wouldn't be Wakamatsu, right? Nope. 
I don't know if I'm getting this one. Oh, <laughs> I feel like we no. might might have reached the the peak of the uh, the limit of my knowledge of Mariners managers. Uh you may remember this player uh, person is a player in the I believe in the 1990s, the early 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he played for the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> nope. So this was a manager from the 2000s. Yes. Obviously, it's not anyone. Uh, Jim Lefevre came the closest before the Lou Pinella era, but uh, finished at 0.479. I mean, I'm I'm not surprised that it was somebody in the 2000s because they were there were some unexpectedly good seasons in there. There were. Who the manager's manager was at the time. I remember too. I, I, I. You can leave that open ended, and people can answer online if you want, because I'm sure that everybody else knows it. But uh, this was not a time period I was paying any attention to baseball. I don't know if they know it without the clues. I'd be curious how many people just like knew this off the top of their head. You guessed Har- Hargrove and who was oh and Wakamatsu. Bob Bob Melvin probably should have gotten a guess here. It is not him either. I do kind so. of remember the Bob Melvin era. Yeah. I mean, he did preside over a team that I think won like 90 games one of those seasons. Yeah, 93 games in 2003 before 99 lost season in 2004. Had to fire Bob Melvin. He was clearly the problem. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Well, before we go, wanted to remind everybody, if you want to participate in Pelton Cast Fantasy Football this year, uh, hoping to get out the typical survey so that we can set draft times by the end of this week so please let us know if you want to participate especially if you were part of the league last year and uh, we will be back with our usual weekly podcast later this week we can talk about the Seahawks preseason we'll see how the start of the series goes in Chicago where uh, JP Crawford will be back for the Mariners that'll be exciting to see although sadly it probably means the end of Sam Haggerty's uh, return to the team Uh, I will September he'll get called back up right so does that rule still exist? I never know what rules still exist in baseball anymore. I know they've they've changed it. Oh wow! I just looked up who the person was by one game. Is that how much they're over by? They they were eighty seven and seventy five, and then seventy six and eighty six the next year. I I at no point if you would have just mentioned names, I would have been like I had no idea. Okay, they all do add two roster spots in September. Only two, so, so you, you can't go Buck Wild. No. Wow, because you would guess O'Keefe will probably be one of those two guys, assuming Tom Murphy is back off the IL by then. They really so. just withstood a lot of things. By the way, I guess we didn't even mention that. But you look at the amount of injuries that the Mariners have been through. Right, Tom Murphy's one of their better hitters for a month or so, and he gets injured, and then boom, the Mariners still sweep the Astros. Yeah, right. Like that happens. JP Crawford is injured for the entire series. Dylan Moore starts hitting like the bottom of the lineup coming through in the series was pretty incredible. The amount of hits that they got from players like Dylan Moore, like uh, Luis Rojas, you know, like they really got productivity from places that they weren't necessarily expecting. And that's what really good teams do. And the other thing I want to say before we go out is Eric Wedge. That's what that dude's name was, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that's the answer, but Not, not him. Uh, also a baseball player in the early 90s, as many of the Mariners managers were. The, it's funny because the person you're talking about had basic, well, Scott Service has been manager for a long time. Has but So long. It, it was what I was thinking was, I'm like, I knew that they had one good season and then one bad season. Yeah. Don Wakamatsu's bad season was a lot worse than I remember it being. Same with Bob Melvin's as we just went over. <laughs> uh, 
but that was kind of the trend of Mariners managers for a long time. It's like you have one good season. I guess Mike Hargrove never even really had a good season necessarily, but like you have an exceeding expectation season and then a terrible season. And that, like we mentioned, is I think look, Scott Service has been a manager for for many years, so that that trend is kind of out. But overall, as the Mariners, it uh, it was not necessarily. Well, you know, the rejected hot takes that I never gave was about how like it was a great thing that the Mariners were going to be bad in 2023 because it was going to set them up for 2024. To have a monster 2024. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be saving that hot takes for a later Their Pythagorean day. win-loss record is the best since 2014. Wow. There you go. Yeah. I mean, look, there's no fun differential this year. They're not doing it with smoke and mirrors. They have nearly caught the Astros in terms of run differential. If they would have won by five runs today, they would have been even. So I, right. back in the second, I was thinking that might happen. It's just but a matter it, of time. It didn't, but it counts the same in the standings. You wouldn't beat ESPN's Kevin Pelton if you weren't thinking about run differential in the second inning. Overall season run differential. <laughs> exactly. What we were all thinking about. Look, it's a tiebreaker in the uh, NBA in-season tournament, so teams are going to be playing for that sweet, sweet point differential. There we go. <gasps> On that note. Thanks for listening. Thanks.